0: This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. Again, my name is Mo, one of the pastors here. And with Darren being out, I have the honor and privilege to be able to teach today. And uh, we are going to continue our Summer of Psalms series. Over the past several weeks, uh, each of us that have been teaching have been picking a psalm that uh, has meaning for us, that means something to us. And so we're going to continue that this week with Psalm 27. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to Psalm 27, starting in verse 7. And we're going to ask the question or answer the question, how to pray when you are waiting? How to pray when you're waiting? Psalm 27 starting in verse 7, and this is a psalm of David that he is writing again in verse 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not. O God of my salvation, for my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give not up on me, give not, give me not up on the will of my adversaries, for false witness has risen against me. And they breathe out violence. Verse thirteen I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And our key verse for today. Verse 14, wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. It's God's word. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your living word. Thank you for how it can speak to us no matter what season that we're in. And Lord, as we learn to wait on you um, and we uh, receive what it is that's in your word today, I pray that it just moves in our hearts, that we would... um, we would just hear your voice today. We let the Spirit lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. Patience. We're going to learn about patience today, OK? Can't wait to teach about patience. Terrible joke. Patience. We're terrible at patience. We're not good at patience. It's, it's, uh, we are born very impatient. So I felt like to kind of get it started, we need a definition of patience. The definition of patience uh, would be this, the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, difficulty, or suffering without getting angry or upset. Okay. So it's the capacity, the ability, to accept delay, difficulty, or suffering without getting mad about it, without getting fussy about it, without chirping, Okay. patience. We're no good at patience. We come out of the womb impatient. We cry. We scream as little babies. Um, they let us know when they're hungry. They let us know when they're tired. They, they shout it out. So they cry out. Um, they want fed now. I would like to think that that's something that we grow out of. I have a confession. Uh, I'm still working on that. The distance between hungry and hangry for me is way shorter than it should be at my age. It's so bad, in fact, that uh, at 1130 every day, which is when I eat lunch, which is a perfectly an appropriate time to eat lunch every day, even though everybody gives me a hard time about it, if I'm not already left for a meeting for lunch, someone from staff will check into my office and see if I need food or if they can bring me something because I think they're trying to avoid hangry mo. And uh, I appreciate that. I'm thankful for that, which also means we're probably getting out of here at a decent time today because it is 1142 and my stomach's growling. And my wife made meatloaf and mashed potatoes, and they're waiting for us when we get home. Bless God. Praise the Lord. But we're terrible at being patient. We're no good at it. one of, the, one of the things, one of the reasons, I think, that's contributing to this is that we live in a culture of convenience. Culture of convenience. Everywhere we turn, everywhere we go, um, we are working, our society is working on creating convenience, eliminating inefficiencies as quick as possible. Instagram, Instacart, instant messaging, it's all coming at us fast, no matter where we're at or what we're doing. Amazon has kind of paved the way for some of this. You can order something that you need for the house and have it be there in a couple days or maybe the next day. Or as some of us know, you can get something the same day that you order it. Culture of convenience. Um, We can order food and have it delivered whenever you want. And there's a new service that just got launched about two or three weeks ago. You may have heard about this in the news. Is Walmart. They have entered the chat, as it were. Walmart Plus In-Home Delivery. It's a new service, a new subscription that you can subscribe to. And what uh, Walmart Plus In-Home Delivery allows is for you to order your groceries, have them delivered to your house. And here's the good part. They will put them away for you. This is, I'm not making this up. You can have them, your, your, uh, your perishables placed into your refrigerator, your freezer, and into your cabinets. Uh, this, is a, this is a very real thing that they just launched. And they've, they've somehow worked out all the security obstacles with that. If they deliver the food, they actually have wear a body cam and push record so they make sure they're not getting into stuff they shouldn't. But you could literally order groceries right now, and I wouldn't be offended at that. You can order groceries right now, have them delivered to your house, put into your refrigerator cabinets, and be ready for you by the time you get home. Culture of convenience. It's available at every turn. And it's kind of ironic because it feels like the technology that we've created to, to serve this convenience, to eliminate inefficiencies, it's like that technology is actually, the irony of that has made us more impatient. It's never quick enough. You know, have you ever... <laughs> confession again, it always involves food, and I don't know why. Maybe that says something about me. But have you ever gone into a a fast food restaurant, Chick-fil-A, and you have to pick a line to go in, like the right side or the left side? And inevitably, for whatever reason, like for the past three months, I have gotten in the wrong line every time. Like, the, I get in the right, line, right lane, and the left lane is just buzzing through. And then, I, you know, you do the trick where you're like, okay, well, that one's going really fast, so I should probably get over to this lane. And then you're sitting there for like 10 minutes, and the other lane just flying through. Inconvenience, inefficiencies, we are constantly dealing with impatience all the time. We get frustrated. And the fear is that this culture of convenience um, and impatience has crept into our faith walk. Right, it, it starts to uh, be a part of who we are in our heart so that when we cry out to the Lord for something um, and we don't get a response in a time that we think we should, we start to question things. We cry out to the Lord for a request, whatever it may be. You fill in the blank for you in your life. And if you don't get that instant response, you feel neglected or abandoned or, or frustrated and discouraged that the Lord's not heard your prayer. When you're texting a friend, um, many times it'll show if they've read it or not. You know, it shows, you know, red text. It's like, yes, they read it. And then they don't respond. You know, like the, the kids call it leaving them on red. right? They don't respond to you. But you know they read it, but you're waiting. And then inevitably, you kind of look down, and you see the three little dots appear. It's like, oh, they're, they're starting to respond. They're, they're, they're getting ready to say something. And then the three little dots go away. And then there's nothing for like an hour. It's like, man, I really, I knew, I know they read it. I know they heard me. They actually thought about something to text me back. And then they stop for whatever reason. And you get frustrated and impatient and discouraged. And again, I feel like many of us in this room, I'm speaking to myself today can feel that way when we're engaging in relationship and conversation with the Lord. When we're praying, we know he hears us. It's, it's, it's a promise that he has for us. He hears our cries, and he hears our prayer. And the rub comes, the frustration comes, is when he doesn't respond, and it's quiet, and it's silent. In Psalm 27, specifically, verse 14 um, we're going to break this apart. And if you have your Bibles and you write in your Bibles, I would encourage you to circle and highlight and underline this verse, Psalm 27, verse 14, as this verse for me has been foundational to keeping me focused, to keeping me reminded of how to pray when I'm waiting on the Lord. There's two main takeaways here in this, in this verse. Besides waiting, we're reminded to be strong and to take courage, to be strong and to take courage. So I want to talk about that today so that when we are to be strong, that it is a, a, the, the power of patience, the power that we have to be patient, and then to take courage, that that would be a posture of patience, the power of patience, the posture of patience. We're going to dive into that today magazine just a few years back from Professor Jennifer Roberts. She performed a study that looked how teachers could increase students' ability to learn without using technology. So I mean, as we know, um, there's nothing wrong with technology, especially as it's it's, uh, been integrated into school and learning. Um, There's definitely benefits from that. But she wanted to kind of look at the old school ways of how we could increase learning without using or relying on tech. And she posted this article, again, in Harvard Magazine. She said this. This gets a little nerdy for for a minute, so kind of bear with me. Get nerdy with me. She says this. I want to conclude with some thoughts about teaching patience as a strategy. The deliberate engagement of delay should itself be a primary skill that we teach to students. It's a very old idea that patience leads to skill, of course. But it seems urgent now that we go further than this and think about patience itself as the skill to be learned. The virtue of patience was originally associated with forbearance or suffering. It was about conforming oneself to the need to wait for things. But now, that one not need to wait for things, culturally speaking, patience becomes an active and positive state of mind. Patience no longer suggests disempowerment. Perhaps now, patience, is power. In other words, traditionally, we have viewed patience as a means to an end, OK? And so, again, what I mean by that is this, this, this little formula that I've kind of put together to help talk about passive patience versus active patience. Passive patience is, is what she's describing here and what scripture is talking about, as well as is this ability for us to learn patience versus being active in our patience, passive patience. In other words, says it's a a challenge or an obstacle that comes our way, Okay, You fill in the blank for you in your life, a challenge or obstacle that comes our way. The, The difficulty, the suffering, the delay, whatever that thing is comes our way. And then we accept that as true. Like, okay, that's existing. That is happening in my life right now. And so now you are learning to be patient, passive patience versus active patience. Where you start with a heart of patience, a challenge or obstacle comes your way, you're able to endure. You're able to persevere. There's a difference. There's a difference. Colossians 3.12 talks about clothing yourself in patience. So you start off the day, hopefully many of us, by putting on our clothes, right? That's how we start the day. Colossians 3, verse 12, talks about clothing ourselves in compassion, in kindness, and in patience. It's something you put on, something that you you think about, that you do on purpose. You put on patience and head out into your day. And as obstacles, as things come our way, it's because we have that cloak of patience that we're able to press through, that we're able to endure and persevere with the right heart. Colossians 1. Verse 11, this is Paul speaking to the church at Colossus. And he starts the letter off by saying, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. The beauty of the power of patience is the strength doesn't have to be something that we muster up. It's directly from him, in his might, in his strength, in his power. So that when he says in Psalm 27, verse 14, to be strong, that we, can, we can receive his strength and be strong. And have the power of patience and lead with the heart of patience instead of learning patience. There's a difference. So we have the power of patience and then the posture of patience. Psalm 27, 14, again, let your heart be courageous. Let your heart be courageous. It's kind of a weird thing to say, kind of a weird thing to think about, letting your heart be courageous. It suggests a posture of, of patience, a posture of, of courage. And when we think of being courageous, it's almost it's like this stance that we take. Um... That's, that's, firm, that's, a, that's firm-footed on a firm foundation, that you take a stance, a posture of courage, that whatever's coming your way, whatever's happening, that you're, you're kind of leaning into it, you're, you're, your shoulders are broad, and you're, you're, you're ready to face whatever's coming your way. You have a, a posture of, of patience, a posture of courage. It says, take courage. It's like this power stance that's ready to take on whatever's coming, whether you're a warrior or a fighter, or whatever it is. And, and, and if I may be so bold, over the past couple of years, our church family, uh, Conduit Church, has taken a, a posture of courage against the culture, against the world. We've, we have found ourselves sure-footed on the word of God, the living word of God, that we will plant ourselves here and be courageous for whatever comes our way. But sometimes it's hard to do that. It's exhausting. You're out of strength. And perhaps there's a quiet courage that we can have as well. There's a quote from author Mary Ann Rodmaker says this. Someone may need to hear this today. Courage doesn't always roar. Sometimes courage is the silent voice at the end of the day It says, I will try again tomorrow. Courage doesn't always roar. Sometimes courage is the silent voice. At the end of the day, after you're at your wit's end, you still haven't heard from the Lord for that thing that you've been asking him for. At the end of the day, when you're just exhausted, you're out of words, you lay your head on the pillow, just exhale, and you wonder where the Lord is in all of this but you remind yourself of that quiet courage, of that verse 14 in chapter 27 where it says, take heart, let your heart be courageous. And you say, I will try again tomorrow. I will try again tomorrow. I found this paraphrase um, in the message by Mr. Eugene Peterson. He wrote this of this same verse. This is again Psalm 27, 14. Again, this is the Lord responding to David's cries. Someone, again, needs to hear this this morning. This is the Lord speaking. He says, it's really hard, and I understand more than you can ever imagine. I just need you to be strong right now. Let your heart have the courage to trust me and wait. Believe me, it takes courage to do that. But rely on me, and I will give you the strength to do it. And I have found personally encouragement. You know, the, the word courage is in that word. Encouragement in this verse, in this chapter. When I didn't have the strength, I, I knew that I could rely on him to provide strength for one more day. Courage for one more day. That I would have the power and the posture of patience. i will share it kind of a quick story here as to why this this chapter is so meaningful to me and to our family. In 2001, um, our oldest son was born. And he's he's given me permission to share this story, because it's his story. But it's our story. In 2001, uh, Micah was born. And uh, within a couple of months, within a few months, we started noticing that um, things weren't right. He had clearly some sort of allergic reaction head to toe of his, of his skin. It essentially was full body rashes, hives, eczema, and inflammation completely, uh, covering his body. So as an, as an infant, as a, as a small baby, I mean, he's, he's crying nonstop. He's miserable, um, never sleeping through the night. And I know uh, it's easy to you know kind of have preacher stories, right, where like um, give a little extra details or maybe exaggerate a little bit. This is not one of those, OK? He did not sleep through the night for the first five years of his life. He was up 24 hours a day, seven days a week, miserable and in pain, scratching, bleeding, squirming, joints locking up, it was terrible. We tried everything, natural doctors, medical doctors, no answers, everything from uh, steroids and creams and oils and strict diets and lasers and magnets and over-the-counter and under-the-counter and around-the-counter, like anything possible that we could try to get our hands on to give him some relief, we tried. And if you're thinking, I wonder if they've tried Yes. Yes. Because when when your little boy is suffering, you'll do anything to make it go away. So, obviously, one of the things we would do is pray. Every night, pleading before the Lord, would you take this from him? Lord, would you heal him? In Jesus' name, would you heal him? Would you restore his body? We would lament, my wife and I, like, Lord, just let him get two hours of sleep. Nothing. This went on for 20 years. 20 years. Two decades of this prayer and this battle that he was fighting. I remember him being around 10, 11 years old, and you start, he starts praying for himself, Right? He's starting to learn to pray for himself, to cry out for himself, Lord, would you heal me? Would you take this from me? Lord, I I need your help. You would hear him praying these things in the other room. It's awful. It's hard. Becomes a little older, his teenage years, and um, you hear him praying still. And those prayers have turned a little bit, a little more aggressive at this point, right? 18, 19 years old, you start lamenting and crying out, much like David is doing, mad at God. I'm mad at God. We're all kind of mad at God. like Because you said, if I prayed, you would hear my prayer. So for 20 years, we battled with this, fussed with this, and fought for this. And it kind of became a tipping point a couple years ago, about two summers ago this time of the year, two summers ago, that it just took off in his body. It just it got worse. And um, it was, again, it was a breaking point for all of us, with no relief, no real place to go, no way to handle this. Again, all we knew to do was pray. You know, we grew up in church. We, we did all of the things we knew to do. and, and you pray. Our friends were praying. Our family was praying. The church leaders were praying. The elders were praying. Um, we would anoint them with oil. We prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed. And some of the strongest prayers would come from his mom, right? Mamas, you know how to pray for your babies. Quiet, silence, no answers. The two summers ago, it was uh, late in the night, it was probably one in the morning or so, where he's just miserable. He's older at this point, obviously he's 18, 19 years old, he's, he's broken, and just at a breaking point, even mentally at this point, a young man can only take so much. And so we, do, we did what we knew to do, and that's just pray over him. My wife and I and his fiance at the time, we just laid hands on him and prayed over him and cried and wept and... It was a really powerful time. And then we started to kind of notice. Within a couple of days, he kind of started to calm down. Within a couple of weeks, skin started to release a little bit and was starting to sleep through the night. Uh, Again, he's 17, 18, 19 years old. I guess he would have been 19. You know, it's like 1 in the afternoon, 2 in the afternoon, which I guess isn't that odd for a teenager to sleep that late. But for him, any time that he slept at all, you didn't want to wake him. It's like, Lord, thank you for allowing him to sleep, to get some rest. We started seeing a pattern. He started to get the rest that he needed. And we started getting uh, wisdom and direction on, on, on some things and some breakthrough on how to treat this. And I'm, I'm here to report. In the past two years, he is, I will say, probably 97% healed. You would never know that he has dealt with this over his entire life. He He has since been married to beautiful Lauren here, who is now expecting their firstborn child in about two months. I say all that to say a couple of things. One, we personally know what it's like to wait for the voice of the Lord, to wait to hear from Him. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't, I don't know why it took the Lord that long to answer our prayer. I don't know. I'm still wrestling with that myself. Why take 20 years to answer a, a text, a God text? But I know this, church, I know this. If for any other reason, for no other reason than for, for me, I'll speak for myself, for me to learn complete and total dependence upon the Lord, that was enough. That was the lesson to be learned. If, for, if for nothing else it was for me to learn complete and total dependence upon the Lord, that nothing that I could do could fix it. There's nothing that I could do to try to be fix-it dad and put it all back together, because that's what I do. I'm a a fix-it guy. Okay, let's put together a plan. I know this person. I'll call this person. I know that guy. Let's figure it out. Let's do this. That's, That's how I operate most days. But for this, for the thing that I valued the most, for the thing that was closest to me, I couldn't fix it. And the only thing I knew to do was to pray, Lord, heal. That's it. And for that to not happen in the schedule that I wanted it to happen was a lesson to be learned about the dependence and the reliance on the Lord. But now as an encouragement, as an encouragement to those that have been praying for 20 years, for 30 years, for 40 years, for two months, for two weeks, whatever that thing is in your life, he hears it. He hears your prayer and it might not be answered in the time frame and the time schedule that we want. I'm reminded of this quote from one of my spiritual heroes, uh, Tony Evans, I love when he speaks and teaches. He says this, prayer is the mechanism that grabs something out of the invisible realm so that you can see it work in the visible physical realm. When the Lord's not answering our prayers on the timetable that we want, it's because he's, he's working on our behalf on things we can't even see. He is going to battle for us. You know that song we just sung? He's going to battle for us in the heavenlies on things that we just don't understand, that we can't see. He's working on our behalf. And sometimes it takes a little time to conquer that battle. And we get so exhausted. We get worn down because the Lord in his Sovereignty and in his, his goodness, is he's, he's walking along the path at a pace that is calm, is patient. He knows exactly when and where and why and how to answer that prayer. And he's, he's not sweating the details. He's not worried about it. But for us, we race on up ahead to try to get to this thing way up here when the Lord's walking and taking his time to get to it at his pace, in his sovereignty. And that's why we're like out of breath. Like God, like I'm I'm trying to get to this thing up here. Lord, like what's let's go. Like I'm on a schedule here. We got stuff to do. I got life to live. This is very inconvenient. I'm getting impatient. It's where we get exhausted. But what'd it look like if we would walk with the Lord? if we would just walk with him and be in his presence, be patient, put on patience, and just walk with him as as we walk towards the answer to our prayer. Active patience, that we would start with a heart of patience. I don't know what that is in your life today, but I want to pray for you. I want to be able to pray for you and over you so that when you're waiting that you can have the strength that you know through Christ's power, through the Holy Spirit in you, that you know that you have the power to be patient. You take on a posture of courage that allows you to endure. Gives you the strength to go another day because when the answer does come. Even if it's the wrong answer, it's still an answer. You still heard from him. That you would be clothed in humility to be able to receive whatever it is, whenever it is. So I want to pray over you. If, if you're in this room, if you would bow your heads and close your eyes, I just want to ask the question. If, if you're in a season of waiting, if you're in this room right now, you're in a season of waiting, would you raise your hand? Would you slip your hand up? You are not alone, Room, room full of hands raised right now. And so, Lord, Lord, we, we come to you in this moment right now as there's families and individuals all over this room right now, even perhaps watching at home, with their hands raised, that they are waiting for you. They need to hear your voice. They need to know what to do, how to pray when they're waiting for you, Lord. Would you give them strength that only you can provide? Would you give them courage that only you can provide? Lord, if there is someone that is in need of healing in their life, Lord, help them to keep praying. Lord, if there's somebody that needs financial provision, Lord, help them to keep praying. Restoration of relationships, help them to keep praying with the power and might and courage that you can provide through your Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask for supernatural miracles to take place even today in this room right now through the power and the blood of Jesus Christ, Lord, that that you would heal, that you would provide, that you would watch over, protect, and work in ways that we couldn't even imagine, Lord. Lord, we're, some of us in this room are so done waiting that we've stopped praying. But right now, would you nudge their hearts? Lord, would you, would you convict us for our impatience, Lord, and help us to um, submit to you? Lord, we are excited for what you're doing in our lives. Lord, may we fall in line with your schedule, with your timetable. Lord, you're outside of time. Lord, we're trapped in a world dictated by time, but Lord, we submit to you in Jesus' name, amen. You know, there's a verse, um, we spent a lot of time on verse 14 of chapter 27. The secret sauce is really in the verse before that. It's really in verse 13. I didn't put a slide together for it because I want you to take time to maybe highlight that and look at it yourself. Verse 13, it says, look upon the goodness of the Lord. I will look upon his goodness in the land of the living. Jason talked about, when we were singing, dead things coming to life, that his goodness, that he is a good God. Because of his goodness, everything after that, everything in verse 14, will work itself out. It's worth the wait, simply because he is a good, good father. And that alone is enough for all of us. Go ahead and stand to your feet. We are embarking on VBS week starting tomorrow. Um, we're all going to get all of our staff and volunteers are going to be able to implement active patients <laughs> as we have almost 250 kids running around the campus starting tomorrow. Uh, it's a really, really exciting time. Just a quick, I'm going to dismiss you guys with a really quick prayer. Lord, thank you for these people. Thank you for their willingness to be here today. Thank you for teaching us through your word, your living word. Lord, may it inspire us. Lord, may we leave this room, may we leave this this campus today different than when we came in, Lord. May we seek your face and nothing else. Watch over us and protect us in your name. Amen. Amen.